0: Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope this message will
1: bless and encourage you. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com.
2: All right, we're going to have an incredible, incredible morning. I believe that God is about to do something so, so significant, so incredible in your life this morning. So um, you guys can all take your seats. Take your seats. (laughs) That was hilarious. You guys should have seen it back there. (laughs) amazing so I just before anything at all I have to give the biggest thank you the biggest honor towards Pastor Caleb and Julie they are in unbelievable pastors how lucky are we to have pastors like Pastor Caleb and Julie they are incredible they have just moved into their brand new house so they are setting up they're getting everything unpacked all the boxes and they're taking time with their family but man we love love them So thank you, Pastor Caleb and Julie, for the greatest opportunity. And yeah, so we are going to jump right into it. We're going to read from the book of Exodus. So it's going to be up there on the Sky Bible. So if you didn't bring yours, it'll be up there. Um, But there's nothing better than having the paper copy. So if you have it, pull it out. Um, We're going to be reading from Exodus 3. Exodus 3. And in Exodus 3, um, I'll give you a little bit of a context going into it. We see Moses, and Moses here is actually um, shepherding a pasture. He's managing the flock, and this isn't something out of the norm. This isn't something spectacular. This is just his everyday, ordinary occupation was taking care of the sheep. And they were the sheep of his father-in-law. So we're going to pick it up in verse 2. It says this. Here I am. And we're going to pray this morning. So if you want to bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray. God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we get the privilege and the, and the freedom to come into a place like this, and we get to worship you, we get to speak about you, we get to just be with you. And so God, I pray that you would speak this morning. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, and would it be your words and not my own? And so God, we thank you that we get to gather together this morning, and all of my church said, amen. 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 So, when we have a dream or a desire or a passion, it's often exciting and it's spectacular and it's flashy. And that will, that's always our first glance of what our dreams are or maybe something good for your family that's coming up or whatever. And it's spectacular and it's exciting. Well, the burning bush was the very same thing. It was something flashy. It was something spectacular. And it actually drew Moses in. It drew him in. And I wonder if, if we're like, if the bush is just like our dreams in the sense that we think, Oh, well, I wonder if I got that job, or imagine if I got to travel the country. What would my life look like if I married that guy? You know, where you start to think of all these situations, or what if I could leave a legacy on the next generation? It's exciting. They're so exciting, and it should be, because they're God dreams, and so Have you ever been on the edge of starting something great? Have you ever been there? Maybe stepping into your dream job, or having your first baby, or starting that business that you wanted to start for so long. Everyone loves a dream from a distance. Everyone loves a dream from afar. When we get a glimpse of what our life could look like, it's exciting, and we wanna say, sign me up, I'm in. What? Yeah, I'll do it. And just like Moses, his response was, here I am. Here I am. I'll do it. Hey, like there's a burning bush. Here I am. God called him, Moses. He's like, whoa, this is incredible. I'm in. And, and that's his response. But have you ever started to read the fine print of something? The closer you get, the closer you get, things start to change. And so, and so we read here: the angel of God calls Moses closer. So he's Moses is getting closer. So it's just like reading the fine print. And he asks him to take his shoes off. He's walking on holy ground. But this is what this is what he tells Moses. It says in verse nine to eleven. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, do we hear the language change here? We hear the language go from here I am to who am I? Who am I? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites? Two very similar sounding phrases with two completely different meanings. Here I am, who am I? See, I wonder how often we go and we go to the Lord and we say that, who am I? God's giving you a dream for your life and you're like, but who am I? How could I ever do that? Do you have the right person? And so I think of a story <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, it wasn't that long ago, just a few years back. But when I, was <laughs> when I was in high school, I remember wanting to date this guy. And he was like the dream guy, he had the perfect hair. And I was like, that's the one, he's smart, he's got it all together, I'm, I wanna date him. And so I did my research and I found out that he's on the track and field team. And so I pictured myself on the track and field team running with wind in my hair. I don't know why I'm running in slow motion. And there's a red ribbon, and the crowds go wild. And they, no, come on, the crowds go wild. And the guy is at the end over here. And yeah, so anyway, you get the picture. That was my daydream of what track, joining the track and field would look like. So as every, Uh, you know, average teenage girl with with a love on the line would do, um, I joined the track team. So I, I showed up for my first practice, and I realized that these people take this, like, way too seriously. They were like, they knew all the stretches, you know, like, they knew the ones, can you tell... The stretches, and then they wore all the right clothes, they had the right shoes, they had the right outfit. I was wearing like leggings and an xl t shirt and i 'm like i'm here, here I am, here I am, and then all of a sudden the the coach or the teacher was like, all right we're going to do a warm up lap and i'm like a warm up what like what do you mean <laughs> i'm like, is it don't we just like you know run the race. And and she's like, no, like you have to warm up. You have to work. You have to like train your body. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And so I started running and I did my warm-up lap and I thought we were done. That was not done. Okay. That was just the beginning. And my friends hadn't even broken a sweat and I'm dying. So I just realized that track and field, you know, wasn't exactly what I pictured it to be. It actually took a lot of hard work. And, and so my language went from here I am to who am I? Who am I to do this? Who am I to run this race? Who am I to train hard or, or to be like them? And so sometimes I think that a dream can look incredible. It can look spectacular and it can draw us in. And, and it should because it's because it is a God dream. And dreams are really, really good. But I think sometimes we get so close to the dream that we like we let our um, insecurities build up and get in the way. And it knocks us out before we even try. Before we even give it a shot, we, we find ourselves knocked out. And so... Here I am is a posture of I'm available. Use me, whatever you want to do, God. Trust I, I I trust you. You're amazing. I trust you. But who am I is a posture of of fear. It's a posture of insecurity. It's a posture of feeling not good enough. It's a posture of rejection. And so, what posture? What we're going to talk about today, and with the little time that we have, is we're going to actually look at what it looks like to move forward when your dreams feel so big, when you feel. When your dreams feel too big and you feel like you can't move forward is what we're going to talk about this morning. And so if you are taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes because you can always look back and, and learn, is number one, it says this, God is with you. Number one, God is with you. So when Moses is called by God to save the Israelites, um, he, he's, his first protest was who am I? Which I also think he's trying to say is, am I good enough? Am I? Am, are you sure you got the right person? Am Are you sure I'm I'm the one? And it, it's it's. Am I enough? That's really what he's asking. And. God, can you really do this through me? And so I remember when I was younger as well, having um, a really, really big dream to graduate college and to get a degree. That was my dream, is to get a degree. And I remember, like, wanting to make my family proud, but I also wanted to show myself that I could do it. Um, and I remember picturing, like the, st- like, the stage that I would walk across and the confetti in the air and the lights and the screaming. And, and I was like, I want that. I, like, it's so desirable. I want to cross that stage and know that I can do it. But um, when I I think the closer I got to the dream, the more the insecurity built up in me, the more it was like, like, will I ever finish school? Will I ever pass these grades? Will I ever make it? And will I ever get my degree? And it, the insecurities will start to build up in you. And I, when I was younger, like a lot younger, I was tested for a learning disability, and I did have one, and so it may, just pretty much means that I learned differently. And so what that meant was when I went to college, I had to give my paperwork from that um, test to my college so that I could get help with exams. And so the, for the first time ever, when I received it, I read it because I wasn't, I, my parents had never showed it to me growing up. It was just like, hey, you learn a little bit different. Um, and so I read it at 18 years old, starting college, wanting to get my degree, and I read the notes. And part of it was, a lo- like, very true, and I, I learned the way that I could, that I learned um, but there's other things that said in it and it said that ellie will never be able to speak in public ellie will not be one a, a standout leader don't call on her in class and it was these things these statements that as i'm going into college wanting to be a pastor wanting to be a preacher being like is this going to take me out am, am i going to allow these ins- these written things on paper to dictate where god wants to for me and where God wants me to go. And it was this battle, this internal battle of, of, wow, but the dream looked so right, the dream looked so good, but why is it now that on paper it's telling me that I'm, that I'm not going to make it? And so this is the tension that I found myself in and I had to choose. I had to choose, do I do what my Bible says and, and the promise that is over my life or do I fall into what a report says about my future? and see Moses <laughs> thank you Moses got <laughs> Moses got close enough to the dream that insecurity started to creep in he got just close enough that his stance began to change his language began to change who from here i am to who am i do you see that that the, the same shift happened and and god's response is what i want to talk about today is god's response to moses is i will be with you Hence the point number one, I will be with you, is what he says. You may not feel like you're enough. You may not feel like you have the right resources or the right experience. But when God is in the picture, nothing. you can do anything. It, anything's possible when you're with God. In Romans eight thirty one, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? and this is what I stand by, this is what the Bible says, then this is what I will, this is the posture I will take, is that there's nothing that can come against me that can knock me out and take me out, that there's nothing if God is with me. And if God is with you in your situation, it doesn't matter that the doctor's report that you may receive that says that your situation is impossible, or maybe you keep applying for jobs and you're not getting a job, that's a real place. Or when your business doesn't seem to be flourishing the way that you envisioned, you You know, there is real things. But when God goes before you, he's actually knocking out all the obstacles. But you have to make a decision to trust that God is actually going to go before you. you got to trust that God is with you and that anything is possible. And so... I've seen time and time again that God has stepped in and he's been my provider. I've seen God come in and he's been my peace when I've received the scariest news. In every situation, he's been with me. And I can say from testimony that God is good and he's kind and he's with you. And that nothing can stand against you when God is with you. So we're going to continue this conversation. And I'm going to bring up the main man himself, Pastor Dan, um, to bring the rest of the word.
1: All right, I'm going to jump right into point number two. Ellie did a great job on point number one, talking about God being with us in our situation. And I'm going to jump back into our story in Exodus 3, and I'm going to jump to verse 13. Up to this point, God's called Moses out of this bush, right? This burning bush is here. God's speaking to Moses out of this bush, and he's talking to him to go to the people of Israel And call them out of slavery. Bring them out of slavery. Lead them out of slavery. And so we get to verse 13 of chapter 3. And Moses got his questions. So Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. To paint a little bit more context here, these Israelites have been in slavery for 200 years in Egypt. You're sitting in this situation where you've got these Israelites just working away and working away and working away. Think about 200 years. That's multiple generations of people in slavery. That's multiple people, multiple generations of people who don't really have this experience of God the way Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob might have in the past. So put yourself in this situation. There's this dream that Moses is being called into. There's this calling that Moses is being called into. There's this thing. But he's supposed to go to these Israelites and bring them along on the journey, and they have no context. They have no real context of what God's able to do. And so we have Moses talking about this. And he starts talking to God, and he's like, God, who... Who even are you to them? Who even are you? How do you even apply to their situation? And I think it's interesting because these Israelites live in this land of Egypt that has so many gods. There are hundreds of quote-unquote gods in the Egyptian culture. And so to these Israelites, maybe God's just another mystical being or whatever he is. They don't actually have a grasp of what's behind that name. What even is God? And I think there might be some people in this room in a situation like that. Because it's easy to hear that God's with you every single step of the way, but is it really easy sometimes to take that God that exists and go, this situation, God, God plus this situation, what does it equal? I found this in my own life when I was growing up. A little bit of my background. I grew up in church from the day I was born. I was that kid who was in church seven days a week, serving or at a program or something. First one into the church every single Sunday morning. I was on the worship team at one point. I led youth at one point. I led kids at one point. I was just always in church. I went to a Christian school, so I learned about God every single day. Every day. I know everything there is to know about God is what I thought growing up. I thought I knew it all. But I found as I went through high school that there's a huge difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. Because when you have this grasp of the idea of what God is, you can go through life and hear all of these things. Oh, I'm struggling with this. Just pray to God, he'll fix it. I'm struggling with depression, I feel lonely. Okay, God's here with you. But what, but what does that even mean in that situation, right? And I feel like that's where Moses is coming from in this text. He's like, okay, I'm experiencing you right in front of me. You're literally speaking to my face. Burning bush, huge sign, whatever. But these Israelites, all they're experiencing is suffering. All they're experiencing is setback. So, how do I take what you're speaking to me here and apply it to that situation? And so, point number two today is that God is enough. But I think the question that Moses actually asks God is a really interesting one. Because he doesn't ask, Hey, God, these Israelites, what are you going to do? He actually asks God an interesting question He says, What's your name? Because I think there's something interesting about a name. A name isn't just a word. A name isn't just something that describes, it's not just a normal noun, right? It's proper. It's a proper noun. It has something specific behind it. And so I know that Toby's name represents Toby. Toby Oluwole is Toby. Toby is a guy who goes through life with me. Toby's one of the most loving people you'll meet. He's one of the most supportive people you'll meet. But I know that because Toby's got a name. And in this situation where these Israelites are hearing about God over and over, God's here, God's there, God's everywhere, what's your name? Who is your identity? What's actually behind the name of God in this situation? And God's answer is so interesting. He says, I am. Just full stop. I am. The question, again, isn't what are you going to do? The question is who are you? The question is, who are you, God, and how do you apply? And God says, I am. But what does that mean? Because we have so many situations in life, and if that's God's answer, what does that mean? Right? I walk into the situation in my work, and I go, hey, God, who are you here? And he says, I am. It's almost like a fill-in-the-blanks statement, actually. Because it's a really cool statement, and it actually starts off with, I am who I am. I am who I am means I'm not attached to the situation. I'm not attached to what's going on in your world. I'm not attached to any of that. I'm actually outside of that. I am a constant. I am who I am, and I'm going to love you at this. I'm going to be there for you in this. I'm going to be your supply when you need a supply. I'm going to be there to comfort you. I'm going to be there to walk with you. Because I am who I am, and it's not dictated by your circumstance. And so what does that mean for your situation? It means that God is enough. Because God will be what you need him to be in your situation. When you need comfort, he will be that comfort. When you need answers, he will come through with those answers. When you need supply, when you need provision, he will come through with that provision. God is enough. And that moves us on to point number three. Point number three is God can use your little. An interesting thing about dreams is that they come, a lot, come with a lot of what-ifs. In chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answers back to God and he says, What if they don't believe me? What if I go all the way to these people and risk my life going back to the Israelites and they don't believe me? Because I think when we have dreams over our lives, when we have these ideas, when we have this stuff going on, it's really easy to look at the huge thing that God's put in front of us and start to look at all these what ifs. What if I say that thing to them, but they just don't listen? What if I send out this resume and they just don't get back to me? What if I put all of this hard work in and just nobody recognizes it? What if I work my butt off in this assignment and I don't get the grade I want? What if I apply to that school and I don't get in? What if, what if, what if, what if? But again, God's answer is so interesting. Because he actually takes this question that Moses has got. Moses is posing him a question of what if this happens? And God turns around and he says, I'm not even going to answer that question. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Chapter 4, verse 2 says, Then the Lord said to him, What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. It's, question, it's, easy, it's interesting, though, that Moses asks a question, and God comes back with a better question. And there's a, there's a little bit of a dichotomy in these questions that I noticed while I was reading through them, and I wanted to share it with you today. When Moses asks, what if, God actually asks, what is. So when it comes to your situation, and you have all of these what ifs that you're asking— What if they reject me? What if they don't show up? What if I do this whole business thing and it doesn't actually succeed? God's response to that in this situation is actually, what is? What's in your hand? What do you have today that you can throw down and step out? Because I think when it comes to our journey of faith, our journey of our dreams, our journey of what we have in our hand, we actually look at it and we go, I want the success. And God's actually looking at it and going, I want the start. I want you to take what I've put in your hand today and just throw down. If it's finances, throw that down. If it is a resume or something like that, just throw down. Do it. Take that step. Do that thing. Just start today and see where God's going to take you with it. We serve this God that all throughout the Bible took things and turned them into the supernatural. In this situation, he takes a staff, he turns it to a snake. In the New Testament, he takes five loaves and two fish, and he turns it into feeding of 5,000 people. He takes a group of fishermen, and he builds the whole church off of them. We serve a God who takes what you throw down, and he's going to take it into the supernatural. He's able to provide for what you need. So he can use what's in your hands to fulfill the dream that's on your life. And that's what I have for point number three today. Colin's going to come up now and actually share around point number four.
0: Okay, come on. We can do better than that for both Dan and Ellie. That was awesome. That's a great thought. You know, when, when we're asking what if, God's asking what is. And uh, I just want to continue the story. But I think we have to kind of appreciate this conversation. So Moses has been going back and forth with God. There's kind of Moses putting his objection in place. God shows his promise. So Moses says, look, I don't think I can do it. God says, here's my promise, I'm with you. Moses turns around and then says, God, I don't know if you can do it. And he's like, no, no, trust me, I am. I'm I'm whatever you need in this situation. Then he's going, well, I I don't know if we'll be successful. What if we fail? And God's going, "Well, well, how about instead of looking all the way down there, let's start with something, what's in your hand? And then you would think by this point, Moses would start to be getting the script. And so if we start reading in verse 10, In chapter 4 it says this, Moses pleaded with the Lord, God, I'm not good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then God, uh, the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? I I, I feel like he's getting exasperated at this point. who who like determines whether people see or don't see is it not me the lord now go and you will i will be with you as you speak and i will instruct you in what to say now even in there there's so many fundamental truths that we can latch onto And so you can imagine this, like God is basically saying, look, even before you can do anything, I've produced everything, and so I can use all things together for the good. And so Moses looks at this, and he goes like, man, that's beautiful, but seriously, there needs to be somebody else, I can't, um." and he just says, "I, I can't do it, God. He's like, please send someone else. And then God starts to become angry with Moses, he says, all right. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him. Put words in his mouth. And um, I will be to both of you as you speak. Or, wait, what? I will be, I can't read, I guess, today. (laughs) I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what you do. Aaron will be your spokesperson to the people, and he will be your mouthpiece, and you'll stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. You know, I think it's interesting in this, and if you're taking uh, notes, write this down. There's a partner in your promise. There's a partner in your promise. So think about what this is, what's happening. Moses is totally surrounded in the presence of God, and yet he feels like his only company is his weakness, Moses is surrounded in this incredible moment, this incredible environment that's awe-inspiring, that's passionate, like, it's this beautiful, beautiful moment, and with all of this swirling around, with all of this conversation with God, he's looking at it saying, but there's nothing but my weakness. I, I know you're with me, but, but this isn't just something where I'm on an equal playing field. I'm at a disadvantage in certain areas. I wonder when it comes to what God has called you to, maybe in your sphere, maybe at work, maybe at home. And it's actually not just a question of, well, this is a level playing field and if I give it my best shot, I can probably do it. But maybe today you're even looking, and even in a room like this, a room full of people, an atmosphere of faith, your only companion in this room is what's going wrong. What you don't have, why you're not enough. And so for Moses, it's actually not just kind of like, man, I don't think I can do it. No, no, I, I literally can't talk. I, I stutter. My speech isn't really good. I, I'm not the guy to be in front of people, I'm not a spokesperson. And so you see in this moment, Moses is asking the big question that I think all of us are What about my weakness? What about my weakness? What about the fact that I, I, I lose it on my family? What about the fact that at work, I just don't have confidence to make that sales pitch? What about the fact that I'm not really sure if somebody, if I put what's out there online, that somebody's gonna come at me? I just don't think I can do it. I'm not a good enough writer. I'm not smart enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not organized enough. I'm not creative enough. We can go through the list over and over and over again. And I wonder in your dream, where you've been just looking at your weakness, in a sea of God's potential. And I love in this moment that God, in his grace, partners somebody in his promise. And although the way that Moses got here isn't amazing, the truth still stands that when you look at every God dream in the Bible, God put people around that dream. I think about David and his mighty men. I think about Jacob and, um, or sorry, Joshua and Caleb. You know, I think about Jesus and Peter, James, and John. See, for every single person, it seems that did something of significance, or most people who did something of significance in the Bible, they didn't do it on their own. You're not an island, and there's people, I'm convinced even in this room, who are going to shore up your weaknesses and show you God's grace because where there's weakness, there's an opportunity for God to act and how God usually acts is through people and you need the people in this room to see what God really has on your life. And so in this moment, God partners somebody in his promise. He says, hey, this isn't just for you to bear. And so I wonder for you, you know I think that there's a couple things that we can really do. Is firstly make yourself available to community. And I think first it ought to start in this community, but I'm not just talking about this community. Start to make yourself available to community. Maybe it's jumping into a connect group. Maybe if it's a, a career thing, it's gonna be going to a networking session. Maybe it's gonna be getting the right training. Maybe it's gonna be developing a mentorship or a, a relationship with a boss or a mentor or something like that. But I think so often, that's actually half the battle is we want community, but we don't make ourselves available to community. And I think sometimes it's something we know we need, it's something we know we want, but life is busy, things are fast, things are moving, it's at a breakneck pace, and all of a sudden we have an idea that we need community but we don't have the time or margin for it. And it's actually not something that I think we just fit into the margin of our schedule, it's something that we make time for in our schedule. And also I think we need to offer community. Who are you being a friend to? It's always interesting when somebody says, well, I don't have any friends. I go, but okay, but that necessarily means like, are, are you being a friend to somebody? Like, are you offering that same grace to somebody that you want to receive? Because it is a two-way, it's a two-way street. And I'm not making light of any, anybody who's had problems making fun, of, or making fun. <laughs> Hopefully you're not making fun of people. I'm not trying to make fun of you. That's what I, th- I think I was trying to say. But, but I'm not trying to make light of that of people who, who struggle to make friendships, real and lasting ones. But I do want to encourage you, commit to the process of being a friend to someone. Yeah, it might be hard, it might be daunting. There actually might even be some anxiety that comes with it. But there's people in this room, there's people in your world, in your sphere that you need to start to open up your life to. And also, I think it comes, and pray for the right people. Think about it, Moses' solution, the person in Moses' life came with a conversation with God. And I think even when it comes to maybe some of the God dreams, some of the God promises over your life, I think that you need to even start to pray about and say, God, put the right person in in my world. Put the right person in my workplace. God, show me the right person. Put somebody in my world. And it's crazy how when we start to ask God, he starts to act and he puts people and partners them in our promise. So, Think about this larger conversation that God has now had with Moses. He says, I'm with you. That's one of the promises that we have. He says, I'm enough. God is saying to you over your situation, over your God dream, over the thing and the promise that's over your life, I'm enough. He's saying, I don't need you to have it all. Just use the little that you have. And there's actually people in this room, people in your world that I'm going to put around you to shore up your weaknesses and show you my grace. And this is what Moses starts with and Heads Out. And this is where the story gets really weird. Because most people, when they preach this, end the story here. Moses then went out and saved the day. But I want to actually read today What happens right after all of this transpires? In verse 20, it says, So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. So you're thinking at this point, man, he's probably learned some lessons. It says, On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zephora, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet, Moses' feet, with the foreskin. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. Now you're a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said uh, this, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the uh, elders of Israel together. Welcome to Generation Sunday. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that seems like a weird epilogue in this story. So we've gone through this conversation. Moses is saying all of this stuff. He's like, I can't do it. God's like, you can do it, man. I can't do it. Trust me, you can do it, man. No, I really can't. Trust me, you can do it. Okay, fine. I'm going to go do it. And then all of a sudden, God's like, hey, I'm going to kill you. Does anybody not find that to be a puzzling kind of statement? But the interesting thing about this is Moses had failed before he had started. See, and it went way past this situation. Because in fact, in him not doing this to his son, he had broken the Mosaic law. He had broken the law. But even further back than that, this is a guy who who had killed somebody. Moses was a murderer. His hands weren't clean. He wasn't perfect. And so before he even walks into this promise, before he even gets out of the gates into what God has for him, he's already sentenced to death, and justly so by the law. He's failed before he's begun. And I think ultimately, we have to realize for all of ourselves that we're actually in the same boat. That I think sometimes when we think about a dream, we can sometimes almost convince ourselves that we had something to do with it. And what I find interesting about Moses' story is before he walks into his promise, there was a sacrifice of blood that came from a son that covered him. And when he left Egypt, there was a sacrifice of blood from the lamb that covered a nation as they left. And I think this ought to tell us something. Before we can do anything of significance, before we can coax ourselves and convince ourselves that we had something to do with this success, it was all a grace that wasn't earned. It was all a grace that wasn't deserved. And before Moses could find success, and before people could find freedom, there was a sacrifice of blood that covered it all. And I think that's why the end of this story is so important. We're not bigger than God in our dreams, but it's actually the grace of God that meets us where we're at in our imperfection when we don't have enough and says, you are enough. Not because of what you've done or you haven't done, but because there was a mediator named Jesus who came on your behalf and died. And I think that ultimately is the greatest story. So many people are looking to define themselves by what they produce and not define themselves by who's in them. And this is the crazy thing about Jesus. Before you could do anything, before you can do anything, even though you might feel like you failed out the gates, well, that makes all of us. And Jesus looks at you and he says, you are still enough not because you're gonna prove yourself in some future process, not because you're gonna work yourself into significance, but because in this moment of your failure, in this moment of you not being enough, I say you are enough, you're significant, you're loved, you're valued because of the sacrifice that I made. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.